This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. At Cenex, we're locally owned and operated, so your community is our community. That's why your Cenex goes far beyond the store. We fuel community connections by supporting local festivals, restoring town monuments, and renovating baseball fields. Now in its fourth year, we'll have contributed more than $400,000 to Cenex communities through our hometown pride initiative. Because community connections make the places we live so special. Cenex, powered locally. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are recording this on a Thursday evening. You guys are likely listening to this very late on Thursday evening or early Friday morning, and we are coming to you after the Cubs take two of three from the Los Angeles Dodgers, winning the first two games of the series on Tuesday and Wednesday, and ultimately dropping the third game on Thursday to to one. So, Brendan, you know, firstly, there's nothing better than the Cubs winning, right? There's nothing that makes me feel better in the world. A close second, though, is watching the Dodgers lose. So this was a, a really nice few days for, for you and I in particular, especially living in Los Angeles. I know you have the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry. I know you have some of those guys like the White Sox-Cubs rivalry. But for me, personally, beating the Dodgers— it's right there with the Cardinals. I, I got to say, especially with the recency of these two teams being in the NLCS, Corey, nothing's better. And living in LA, you get to experience that. Absolutely. And so we will run through the recaps real quick uh, of these three games with the Dodgers. And then we have an awful lot to talk about, a lot going on in this series, uh, updates and and, and big performances. So we will uh, jump right into those. Uh, Let's run through these games real quick. As always, we like to run through the games uh, at the beginning of the show just to, you know, get through the stat lines, pitcher lines, so that we don't have to contextualize everything later. Later. And a lot of people, you know, maybe can't watch every minute of every game. So just a quick refresher. Obviously, you are more than welcome to uh, jump ahead a minute or two if you did watch every game and don't care. Uh, 
but going back to Tuesday, the Cubs winning this first game 7-2. to Jose Quintana picking up his third win of the season. Kenta Maeda taking the L for the Dodgers. Jose goes seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. This was a very impressive outing, again, for Jose Quintana. He has strung a few in a row now together that look like this, and it's got to have you excited, folks. Jose Quintana looks assuredly like the pitcher that the Cubs traded for, and this was a particularly impressive outing because as you saw in the game on Wednesday with Cole Hamels, this Dodger team leads the NL in in, uh, offense, or I think at least they did coming into this series. I'm not sure where it stands now, but they are very, very patient, and they are not uh, chasing a lot, and you do have to do good work to get them to strike out and chase pitches. So the fact that Jose was able to minimize the walks to two and strike out seven of these guys, very, very impressive, Uh, especially when you consider that Cole Hamels, uh, I think, set or tied a career high in walks the very next night. So very patient Dodger team, ultimately a a really nice effort again from Jose Quintana. Looking at how the Cubs scored their runs in this one, they did major work against Kenta Maeda in that first inning. That first inning, Brendan, on Tuesday looked like the 2016 Chicago Cubs, just relentless. Kenta Maeda threw nearly 40 pitches in that first inning you totally set the tone for not only just the series, or excuse me, not only just that game, but the entire series. I mean, you're already thinking, okay, we're going to get in their bullpen early tonight. We're doing work against Maeda. This was a brilliant effort. And the key in this one is a Wilson Contreras bases clearing double. Kyle Schwarber came up with the bases loaded and one out. Uh, Not a good at bat. He strikes out. That was no good. Uh, Perhaps something we'll touch on later in the show. Uh, But Wilson Contreras comes up, falls behind 0-2 in this one. And this is a, a you know, game-changing, series-changing, momentum-shifting. Pat Hughes, you know he was on the radio. We have to listen to the Dodgers broadcast. No, he did. He did say yeah, that. Yeah, he definitely was, said that Pat, this yeah. was a turning point. And it was. It was one of those things where you felt like someone's going to feel really good after this inning, and it's going to hinge on whether Wilson Contreras comes through here and come through he did. A brilliant job to pull an inside pitch down the left field line. Three to nothing Cubs on that one. Daniel Descalso follows with a double of his own that made it four to nothing. Anthony Rizzo homered in the second inning to make it six to nothing. The Dodgers would add some runs that nobody cares about to make it six to two. And then in the bottom of the seventh, El Mago, Javier Baez hitting his seventh home run of the season. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking more about Javi Baez. Again, the final mm-hmm. on Tuesday, 7-2-2. Two, two. On Wednesday, the Cubs winning 7-6. to six. And Brendan, this was one of those games that if I could bottle the feeling from this game and experience it over and over and over again, I definitely would. This one was a lot of fun. It was... A pitcher's duel through uh, much of the early going here. The Dodgers getting a run uh, in the fourth on a Chris Taylor single. This was a a weird play where it it kind of caught Rizzo in between, and Hamels did break right away uh, to first base, but he's just not quick enough to beat uh, Chris Taylor there. Regardless, a run scores. It was not the best looking play. In the top of the sixth, Cody Bellinger finally uh, makes his presence known in this series with his 12th homer of the year. 
it that made it three to nothing in the six. But Brendan, let me tell you something about the bottom of the sixth inning. We go into this inning, the Cubs are trailing three to nothing, and I am going to take you through this entire thing. Walker Bueller had been very good up until this point. The Cubs are not striking out against him, uh, but he was very good and he's, you know, got some of the best stuff, you know, I think really, especially for a young guy in, in the National League, certainly. But the Cubs got to him in this bottom of the six, and let me just run it through it here. Mark Zagunis struck out swinging to start this one. He was pinch hitting for Brad Brock. Daniel Descalso then singles. Chris Bryant flies out. Anthony Rizzo walks, and then it was El Mago, 0-2, and Walker Bueller's last pitch of the evening, Brendan, and he hung it. As soon as the ball yep. got to home plate, you could hear Jim Deshahees in the background on the call on this one go, he hung it, kind of under his breath, <laughs> but he noticed it right away, and Javi deposited it into the stands in left field. Everything about this play, Brendan, I need in. Uh, I need bottled up. If I could put a GIF on the wall, I would do it. If I could tattoo a GIF to my body of Javi hitting this one, admiring it, and then as he's running to first, willing it out of the ballpark, kind of you know just throwing his hand up and telling it, "Come on, get out!" Love it. Just yep. absolutely brilliant stuff. We get a pitching change, Scott. Alexander comes in to replace Walker Bueller. He gives up a double to David Bodie. They intentionally walk Wilson Contreras, Dave Roberts, ever the technician, everybody. And I'll tell you, Brendan, that was a mistake. There was a time where you would walk people in front of Jason Hayward and it would work out for you. 2019 is not that time anymore. Jason Hayward rips a three-run home run Six to three Cubs, and that is how we leave the sixth inning. In the seventh, Chris Bryant gets himself on base. Anthony Rizzo rips one to the wall, and KB, being the brilliant base runner that he is, scores all the way from first. Seven to three Cubs. That was a very important run, as Alex Verdugo would hit a three-run homer in the top of the eighth, but that would be all that she wrote. Pedro Strope comes in and locks down the save. Cubs win the first two games, and they win the series with the Dodgers. On Thursday, John Lester, ya boy, number 34, the lefty, he makes his return to the Cubs rotation coming off of the injured list after dealing with a hamstring injury. He was on a pitch count today. I believe he went just above it. I think Madden said around 75 to 80 pitches. He ends up throwing 79 in five innings of work, four hits, one earned run, no walks, and five strikeouts. The run coming uh, and Alex Verdugo leadoff triple, and then uh, he is eventually brought home on a hot grounder to Javi Baez that he tried to snag, probably in his head a little bit, thinking about getting the ball home, uh, but regardless, they get the run in, uh, and that was how that one scored. So, a really good day for Lester. He looked very good. I believe was sitting around 91-92 with his fastball. No walks, five strikeouts, again, against a tough Dodger lineup. So I think that is about all you could ask for in John Lester. Returning to this one, the Cubs getting their runs in this one, Brendan. This is a real thing that happened today. Albert Almora, with his first extra base hit of the season, is a home run off of Kenley Jensen. Sometimes baseball 
is just going to baseball, and that's how things work out. Uh, the Cubs kind of, you know, tried to rally there in the ninth, but alas, the Dodgers would end this one, and they salvage one in this series. So that is the recap, the lay of the land for these three games, and Brendan, you know, we, we ran through these games, and there there is definitely a, a lead story here. I don't want to bury the lead, and we, we need to get into it, and it's really one of those things where we have to kind of like stop for a minute and just really appreciate what's going on here, and of course, I'm talking about John Lester. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. No. It, it, it is important that John Lester returned, but that is not uh, what this segment is hyping up. What this segment is hyping up is Javi freaking Baez. Brendan, yeah. this man is on fire right now. And I, I want to read a, a tweet from Brett at Bleacher Nation that I think really embodies just why why we need to take a second like breathe and really appreciate what he's been doing here and this is from last night so this is after uh the game on wednesday you could update it a little bit after the game today but i don't think it would change things too drastically you get the point right uh and brett says remember how javi baez got off to that scorching brett capitalize all the letters in scorching start last year Well, how about this? At the time he hit his eighth home run last year, he was hitting a slash line of 283, 331, 628 with a 146 WRC+. In 2019, he hit his eighth home run two weeks earlier than he did in 2018, (sighs) and his slash line is 315, 351, 663 with a 161 WRC+. Plus, Brendan, we talked all off season, wondering, could we expect Javi to repeat? Should we expect him to regress even just a little bit? Not only has that not happened to start 2019, he has been even better. Better. I think for a while there in 2015 and 2016, and, and even to a degree 2017, we just didn't expect Javi to reach his ceiling. And that wasn't a bad thing. Because he was still valuable defensively, and he was still getting 500 plate appearances, but I, I think Javi's reaching his ceiling. I, I do, and he's looking even better than last year. His numbers are backing that, and visually, he looks better. I, I was talking to you off the air about this, and eventually we will do this, but if you look at Javi from that previous at bat where he just you know tied the game up with that three run homer you look back and you compare that to april of last year and even september of last year javi looks different he's more relaxed his batting stance is more upright he's continuing to adjust it makes you remember what was written about him when he was a prospect at the baseball prospectus said verbatim, Javi Baez could be a religion. And that was his ceiling. And it was because he combines raw athleticism, raw power for a shortstop. We never, we rarely do we see this. He's reaching his ceiling, Corey. He's on pace for 55 home runs, Corey. 55. 
55. Brendan, we, we're going to have to attach like an NSFW <laughs> explicit rating to this podcast. If you're going, he's a shortstop, too. He's a shortstop. <laughs> this is a shortstop that we're talking about with that type of defensive chops, with that type of base running, with that type of instinct. I've never seen a baseball player like this. I, I mean, it, the fact that he's on the Cubs makes it that much sweeter. But I think in general, if Javi played for any other team, he's the type of guy I think most people just gravitate yeah. towards. Corey, this is, an, this is I'm, I'm speechless at this point. And I understand, look, I know it's April 25th. I get it. But look, he's 102 plate appearances. These numbers, these underlying raw numbers stabilize at 50 to 100 plate appearances. What Javi is doing is no fluke. Let me repeat, what Javi is doing is no fluke. This might be what we get going forward. And if you combine that with getting KB back on track and the offense back on track, man, I don't know. I don't know what other offense can compete with this team to to that level, Corey. Yeah, this is really something. And and even in the game on Thursday, he hits a ball 371 feet, 103 miles and off off the bat to the opposite field, to the right field wall. This is a pitch that is up above the zone and inside, you know, like getting near his face. And somehow, Brendan, he gets his hands in, barrels it up, and almost sends it out of the park. And and it's one of those moments where you really stop to appreciate, like, Javi Baez has truly found a way to be himself, but make it successful. This is not some guy who has made, you know, necessarily this insane change where he had, you know, a super high K rate and chase rate, and now he's an entirely different player, you know, that doesn't chase or things like that. He's very largely the same player, but he has just found a way to make it work, and he has such incredible instincts we posted a picture on on the Real Cubs Insider account a while ago of like nine different balls, none of which are anywhere close to the strike zone. Some are near his face, some are down on the ground, you know, nearing the other batter's box, and all of them he finds a way to push them for hits and 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 create yeah. hits out of these pitches. It's really astounding, and and this is totally another time where I'm going to remind everyone like this guy's story and his attitude are really really amazing and if you're not in love with Javi Baez just for what he's doing on the field for the Cubs I I would direct you to his background his family history and and the amount of pride that this guy plays in uh, and what he's wearing on his sleeve because I, I said this I think in the last episode or one before, but there is really like almost nobody that it makes me this happy to see succeed yeah. and just know where this guy has come from, what he's playing for. It's just unbelievable. And I'm watching the gif of him running down the line again yesterday, waving the ball out into the stands. Like, it's it's really unbelievable. It takes me back to, I think there was an article on NBC Chicago. It might have been a, a Tony Andraki article. Uh, I apologize if I'm misattributing this, where he was, you know, wondering, like, is this Javi Baez's team uh, as we were heading into yeah. this season? And it's like, you, you may have a different opinion. Like, I, I, you know, Tony probably has an argument there if we were going to, you know, really break it down. 
But <laughs> right now, man, like this is El Mago's world and we are all just living in it. And you know what? He gets a lot of flack, too, I think, from a lot of outside fans who assume he's like an over cocky player, right? I mean, he has an MLB tattoo on the back of his neck. But to go back to his background, like what you were saying, the meaning of that tattoo is profound. He got it when he was a teenager with his two brothers as a sign of respect for the game. Like Javi tattooed that logo, not to say, hey, look at me, I am Major League Baseball, is because that was his identity. He identified with the sport. That's who it is. And go back to 2015 when they made the playoffs, or maybe it was 2016, but he's dancing in the clubhouse. He stops, he goes, I don't dance. I just play baseball. So when Clint Hurdle and others outside of like, you know, your Cubs world bash Javi for reasons that are completely unfounded, it's so off tone. I, I don't, Corey, I really don't think You can find a player with Javi's enthusiasm and genuine respect for the game. And that's not to disrespect other players. But Javi, I don't know. He's it's it's different. I feel as if it's so ingrained in who this guy is and it comes off in every single thing he does on the field. I I mean, come on. This and I I, I do think like Tony Andraki has a point. Maybe we'll look back on this era. And you assume you'll think of KB and Rizzo and Theo and, you know, just a whole core in general. But maybe, you know what, maybe it is Javi. He kind of transcended in that 2016 playoff run. Maybe it is Javi, Corey. And if he continues to do this, I mean, come on, he's on pace for 55 homers and it's not out of the realm of possibility he does that. Uh, it's it's remarkable, man. The guy is, is lighting up the baseball world right now and I very much look forward to seeing what else he has in store for us this year and he uh, could and he could improve too that's yeah. the thing because he has like I, I also think that's one thing that at least for me personally I don't consider that's wrong I think I'm wrong not to consider this but Javi's career trajectory we mentioned David Bodie's unique career trajectory to some degree, Javi's is too, right? He gets called up in 2014. He strikes out and whiffs at like literally a historical low rate, like I like 59% uh, contact rate. It's one of the worst, if not the worst of all time in that plate sample size. Comes back 2015, breaks his hand, misses most of the year. Just does not do well. Comes back in 2015 for the playoffs, homers off John Lackey. 2016 rolls around and he just, you know, He's a sporadic player. Fast forward two years, completely different player in terms of maximizing his skill set to this production. And yes, he did not change necessarily who he was, but he was able to make the most of what he does do well. And I think that is one thing that is going to propel Javi to be even better. Like Madden always compared Javi to to Manny Ramirez because he said once Javi starts laying off those uh, slash sliders, he's Manny, right? But you know what? What if he actually does get that better recognition? It's not crazy to think. I mean, there are times even this year where he does look a little bit better in terms of pitch recognition. I don't know. I feel as if two years from now, Javi could be somewhat of a different player in, in his own way and just become even better. It's just crazy to think about. 
Yeah, man, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, that is our shortstop, no doubt. Uh, but I do keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. I want to transition to uh, another player that we really need to talk about, uh, and that is the man that hit the go-ahead, ultimately not the, the game-winning, uh, but go-ahead home run in Wednesday night's game, and that is Jason Hayward. And I am going to read this line. This is legitimately what it is. If you have not been paying attention for the entire 2019 season, this might be a little jarring to you, but like this is a thing now. Uh, Jason Hayward's slash line. He's got five home runs and 14 RBIs in 84 plate appearances with a 328 batting average, 440 on base percentage, 567 slugging percentage, a 416 Woba, and a 160, 160 WRC plus. For reference, (laughs) folks, his WRC plus, again, 100 is league average, 72 in 2016 with the Chicago Cubs. 88 in 2017 with the Cubs. 99, so almost league average. His walk rate, Corey, is 18%. His strikeout rate is 11%. That's insane. Like, his slash line that he's putting up right now is almost like Rizzo to some degree, where he's has he has his power, he rarely strikes out, he takes his pitches, he has a high BA. This, I mean, what Hayward is doing is insane. This is insane. Yeah, and... Similar to Javi, like, I know that, that we've gone through this before, and y- y'all know I I and Brennan are more than happy to, you know, admit when you know, maybe we gave up on a player or, you know, weren't super confident that things were, were going to turn around. Like, we have not always been in the, you know, we believe in Jason Hayward camp. I will freely admit that. Um, but the one thing that I did want to say is this is another one where it's very difficult not to be so freaking happy to see this guy succeed. This is a guy who signed a huge contract with huge expectations and was bad for a a good portion of it in the early going here. And never did we hear Jason Hayward complain, you know, dog the fans if they were getting on him, dog the writers in this town getting on him. He went about his business. Every report from anyone, teammates, reporters, everything, suggests he is the most professional player in that clubhouse. He goes about his business the right way. He handles himself the right way. And he has put up with a lot over these first few years. I'm sure he has received his fair share. I believe he had to delete his Twitter at one point. I believe he's received his share, fair share of not-so-great commentary from people. And to see him succeeding now and playing such a, a big role for this team to start the 2019 season, as we're almost through an entire month of this season, is really amazing. And, you know, that's like on a personal level from a team level and looking at this, you know, just from the Chicago Cubs perspective, this is a big deal. 
And this is what they signed him for. You know, again, obviously, I'm not expecting him to keep up a 160 WRC plus the entire season. Uh, But they signed him to be an impact player all over the field, not just on defense, not just as a base runner. And when Brizzo really start cooking, and we'll talk about them in the second here, you know, a, a lot better results from them in this Dodger series, with Javi doing his thing, with Wilson looking the way he did, if you can have Hayward to either keep, you know, near the middle portions of that lineup, or maybe even move up as they, you know, are still kind of inconsistent with who's the leadoff hitter every day and stuff like that, and with Schwarber and Almora not really doing themselves any favors in terms of playing time, this is a big deal for this Cubs team that Jason Hayward is, you know, not not hitting the way that he is, but, but not really bad at the plate. Like we have seen, like I just read in some of these previous years, you know, it, it like 2016 was bad. A 72 WRC plus is not good. And so it's, it's a big boost to this lineup that they may be looking at uh, a different hitter this year. And we, we always go back and everybody always goes back to that 2015 home run off of Jake Arrieta that he takes the other way uh, into the stands at Wrigley Field. And that one on Wednesday night was a very similar looking home run. And that's when the he's, second time he's done that this year. Yeah, maybe, man. maybe even the third time. And when it's he's wild. driving the ball like that the other way, and and the other thing to note, and I know you've uh, wrote about him on CubsInsider.com today, so I'll turn it over to you in a second. But this guy's catching up to heat. Brendan, and that was a trend I think we started to see improving last year, and it's carried over into this year. This, I know earlier in this year, we said it's exhausting to do the whole, you know, is he back? Is he hot? Is he different? Let's look at his swing. Let's look at his hand position, yada, yada. (laughs) And it is. (laughs) And we're doing it again. But as I'm going to turn to you here, I think this is the time where it really is a different player. I, I think so. I, I, I do. And it's because when you align everything together from the visuals, from the numbers, from what he's saying, from what coaches are saying, it starts to kind of reinforce your idea that he might be looking like his former self. And you just tweeted out this on the Cubs Insider account, but Hayward is making tangible changes that are translating to success that's encouraging and like it's kind of wild to even say but he's on pace for 38 homers man if you want to scale that down to 600 plate appearances he's on pace for 38 homers um and i i think when you watch hayward he he feels different i don't know what it is he just feels different and he's not rolling over on those balls that he used to roll over on I wrote on CubsInsider.com that he's catching up to higher fastballs. Any pitch that's up, you know, around his chest a little bit higher, the homer probability of those balls going in play are over 50%. Yeah, he only has five homers, but when he's making contact up there, they're leaving the yard. In the previous three seasons, those same pitches were pop-ups. They were weak rounders to second base, and that is what we were accustomed to seeing. And it's not like even those high fastballs, when he was hitting those balls on the ground, granted, they were hard. Like his exit velocity was pretty good last year. But he wasn't hitting the ball in the gap. He wasn't hitting the ball over the fence. He's doing that this year. Now, 
I, I think I'm still, look, we still want to see a little bit more, but there is a point where the sample size is stable. 80 plate appearances is a stable sample size. And if this is what we expect going forward, then I think we're in for a real treat. I do, especially because now if he's going to see the majority of time in center field, it does give Joe Madden and really the front office to some degree flexibility in their acquisitions at the trade deadline, perhaps. But it gives guys like David Bodie more of a shot. It gives guys like Ian Happ maybe more of a shot because, look, he could slot in at second base in right field and left field. He doesn't exclusively have to play center field. And I, I, I'm pumped, man. I think the, one of the most encouraging signs for me this year, I, I think Kavi, of course, is one of them. Wilson, of course, is one of them. Seeing the pitching staff kind of, you know, equi- equilibrate to some degree is encouraging. But I get pumped up watching Hayward get back because the personality, what he's kind of gone through, this three-year dry spill, is fun to watch. And it could not happen to a guy who is really one of the more deserving players out there. He's worked his butt off, Corey. When the season ends, he's on the field in Mesa three weeks later, every single offseason. So for him to go through this success is so encouraging and so satisfying, I think, for me as a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I think those were like the the two, like, we must talk about these things – topics uh, coming out of this series, certainly. And it it does give us a second to just go back and, you know, point out like uh, the the Cubs are in a a very good place right now. They've played some really good baseball as of late. And you go back to that Pittsburgh series uh, when, you know, the Cubs open at home. They have not lost a series since then, taking two of three from Pittsburgh, splitting with the Angels, sweeping the Marlins, and then two of three uh, in back-to-back series here from the Diamondbacks and Dodgers. And in those series particular, the Diamondbacks and Dodgers have been winning a lot of games. Uh, So this is a Cubs team that, you know, had a couple good teams from the NL West come to Wrigley Field, and they managed to take two of three from both of them. They're 11-5 and in their last 16 games. So I think it's safe to say, I, I think, I hope, that, you know, that early season whatever we want to call it, you know, with the uh, Texas, Atlanta, and Milwaukee series, I, I think that's behind us. And the team that we have seen kind of once they got back to Wrigley Field is more in line with what we're going to see going forward. But I think it's it's tough not to be pretty excited with how this team has played as of late. So at least where I'm sitting right now, I am so confident in this team. I think really this offense is carrying that confidence and the starting rotation is carrying that confidence. And when it comes to the bullpen, at least you kind of expect things to just calm down a little bit. And I was looking just across bullpens in, in Major League Baseball in addition to the Cubs. A lot of teams are going through the same types of issues. This The relievers' ERA in general is up over half a point this year. Same thing with their FIP. So I don't know what's going on with these bullpens, but they're getting blasted. The average FIP and ERA is over 4.5. Last year, it was just above 4. 
So this is not just a Cubs issue. I don't know what's going on, but it, it, this is what it is. But as as we stand here on April 25th, Milwaukee has really cooled down. They're just at 500 with Christian Hellish being Barry Bonds. Their rotation has looked like garbage. Haters given up you know, two homers in the past a week that have blown games. Their bullpens are looking a little bit more fragile. Things are looking up, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I'm I think it's dawning on me now that I didn't even read Cole Hamill's line uh when doing the recap, which is funny because I said the whole point was so that I wouldn't have to read it later in the show. Uh but hey, we're doing it live, folks. Uh Anyway, Cole Hamels goes five and a third in that game. Three hits, three earned runs, six walks, and seven strikeouts. And it's it's a, a tough line to like look at and really judge just looking at the line, like how he did. He does give up a home run uh, in this game to Bellinger. That you, you know, really so got squeezed. That's that's going to happen. Uh, but I I think the the takeaway for me with Hamels again, the Dodgers were not chasing a lot of these walks. Cole was making good pitches and. The Dodgers just weren't, you know, they weren't going to go for it. Cole loves to go with that changeup that fades low and out of the zone. And in a lot of these at-bats, he was making good pitches uh, to get swings and misses. The Dodgers just weren't having it. So they were taking their walks, but he limited the hits. He still gets seven strikeouts. And I, I think the important takeaway is just that Cole Hamill's still looks very good and very much like the guy we saw in the second half for the Cubs uh, and not the first half for the Rangers last year. So I I think that that's important to note. Like this pitching staff looks really strong right now. And, you know, we'll, you know, we're kind of all looking at Darvish really to to join the party. Um, And, you know, for the most part in his starts, they've been fine, right? So, you know, if he can keep taking strides and, and join the rest of this group, this rotation has some really serious potential, but I'm very much excited by what we've seen so far because they've exceeded even what I was hoping for. All offseason, you guys heard me harping that I didn't necessarily understand why everyone was so down on this rotation because I thought their floor was very high. They just have a lot of guys that were going to keep them in games, give them good performances, and give them a chance to win baseball games, which is total coach speak of me, but that's really how I saw it. And not only have they done that in in a lot of these games, uh, but they've been better than that. Like Jose Quintana is on another level right now. And if he can stay there, big things for this team. There's a lot going on with this team that I think has you very excited. And I want to turn now to Brizzo, because I think, Brendan, if we can get these two going, and they will, and they will, this team is off and running. And I, I've, you know, kind of routinely used the, you know, the the train is back on the tracks, yada, yada. If we can get Brizzo going, the, the train is off the tracks because it is literally going too fast, right? Like, and in, yeah. in the best way. So in this series, uh, Chris Bryant goes two for eight. He takes three walks and scores two runs. And Anthony Rizzo goes three for 11 with three RBIs, uh, a walk, and he also scores two runs. And they combine for the game-winning run in Wednesday night's game. And I think all around are just starting to look more like themselves. Obviously, only two hits for Chris Bryan in this series. But worth noting, they were both off Walker Bueller, who has great stuff. He throws very hard, uh, which I think is a good indication if you're getting KB in there against some of these guys who are near the top of the league in terms of the quality of their stuff. Their velo 
he's he looks equipped to handle it. Uh, and those two hits in that game off Walker Bueller were extremely hard hit, uh, both well over, I believe, 105 miles an hour. One of them, I think, was 110 off the bat. So that was really encouraging. And I think that's that's the key right now. If you can get these guys going, we, we can't, like I said, we can't expect Jason Hayward to put up a 160 WRC plus the entire season. I just don't think that's realistic. And Javi, even being on the other planet that he's on, you know, he still has games or two where it's, you know, it's just not there for him that day, but pretty much everybody does. So when we can get KB and Rizzo kind of doing their thing and, you know, you're a little more comfortable with some guys coming back down to earth, perhaps, even if just for a day, this offense is looking really, really good. We've talked about the impact that Daniel Descalso has made. He has some more big hits in this series. You know, Ben Zobrist, uh, the OPS isn't there right now, but you know, I, I think we've there. been on record as saying over and over again that I will believe Ben Zobrist is not just going to do Ben Zobris things when it actually happens. Uh, so I, you know, fully expect that to get going. Wilson, you know, is looking like that player we all wanted him to be. And again, I think KB and Rizzo looked better in this series. And I know that people are, you know, perhaps growing frustrated um, with Bryant in particular, just kind of waiting for him to be the MVP level player that we've seen. Uh but A, similar to Pedro Strope, Chris Bryant's slander not tolerated on the Cubs-related podcast, nope, so don't bring here. it here. Nope. Uh, don't tweet it at us because uh, nope. one of us, I'm not going to name any names, is a very quick block finger. Uh, <laughs> hint, it's not Brendan. So uh, not well, a good idea. I block idea. a lot of people, though. you got to give me more credit than that. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, even still with, the, you know, the the – slump that he's been in to start this season, you know, he's still got an OPS that is in near the mid-700s, which isn't great, but when we're talking about a guy slumping and, you know, clearly not looking like himself, that's a a pretty productive line to be putting up uh, when everyone is freaking out that you're not the same player. I believe that he is healthy. The shoulder is not a problem. And it's just a matter of time before KB is uh, back doing KB things. But I really did think that that game against Bueller was very encouraging. Uh, And I'm looking at this tweet here uh, from Brad at Balls Walk on Twitter, uh, and he tweeted out that he has a 411 on base percentage since April 8th, and that's 56 nice. plate appearances. So yeah. that is the difference between Chris Bryant and a lot of other guys. When Chris Bryant is not necessarily hitting the cover off the ball, he is still going to get on base at a very high clip. He is a very productive player, and I'm telling you guys, he and Rizzo are going to kick it into another gear soon and this offense is going to take flight. Brizzo in general, both those guys, their numbers are still above league average. Even Rizzo, his Woba is like around 350 and even KB is around 330. More importantly, their expected numbers are much higher than their actual numbers. Chris Bryant's expected Woba is greater than 60% of Major League Baseball. He's kind of getting screwed. At the same time, look, even where 
Bryant is with a 350, 360 expected wall, but that's not who he is. We expect him to be a top 5% player in the league. And I think he's going to get there. Even within this last few games, the outs that he is making, they're a little bit of higher quality. And those two hits that he had in the second game of the series, both above 100 miles per hour, both against one of the better stuff pitchers in the league. And looking at KB's spray charts, he should have had two more home runs this year. You can think of one in Miami, right, Corey? I mean, we we mentioned this a few right. times. Miami's a warehouse. He had two, actually, in Miami that were basically right at the base of the wall. He had another one in Texas, quite literally at the edge of the wall. So it's not as if Chris Bryant's going through this drastic slump where it's almost like Schwarber or Almora to some degree. No. He's going to get back to the stage that we know Bryant is capable of. And same thing with Rizzo. And when those two get back on track, which they're trending in that direction, apparently. I mean, just look at exit velo and hard hit contact. You you look at it by the last five to eight games. Both Rizzo and KB, they're going straight up. It's just a matter of time that they get it together. I just can't imagine what this lineup looks like when they get back on that level because, again, there's not many teams who put up these types of lines. I mean, look, Hayward and Rizzo and Zobris, they walk more than they strike out. And you combine Hayward's power with this walk rate and Rizzo getting back on track, it's reminiscent of what Theo talked about in 2015 and 2016, where you want to preach a selectively aggressive approach and slug and hit homers. Well, look, this is what it is. This is why you fired Chili Davis to get back to this level. And right now the Cubs, their power numbers are right near the top of the league. And again, that's without Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. They're going to get back on track. And it's just a matter of time, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it's it's going to be fun to see. Like I said, there's there's a lot that's really encouraging about this team right now. They're they're winning series. They took care of business at home. They took care of a bad Marlins team on the road, sweeping them. And again, like two of three here in these last two series from the Diamondbacks and Dodgers, who sit uh, atop the NL West at this current moment. So just really good work uh, from them. And, you know, we didn't really talk about the bullpen much, uh, but it, it's it's been better, I, I think. I'm, I will say I'm, I'm a little concerned <laughs> that, you know, Steve Ciszek pitching so many games last year was really not the best strategy for a guy that you have under contract for multiple years. Um, but we'll see about that. He's been very good for the Cubs, so I'm not... Uh, what, panicking just yet. No, but I, I I think it was a fair concern at the time, and it's just something to, to keep in mind. He didn't have a good outing uh, in Wednesday night's game, but we'll see. I, I, I don't know, Brendan. Um, I'm just throwing it out there. But Brad Brock with two scoreless innings today, he looked really good. Uh, he did take a Chris Taylor liner off maybe like the back. It looked like it, it got a, a good bit of uh, meat on him. So hopefully no big deal there, but a, a really good scoreless two innings from here uh, from him. Brandon Kinsler continues to look good. Pedro Strope was filthy in that game on Wednesday. Just some, you know, as we've seen from him routinely, just some absolutely nasty pitches from 
Yeah, from Pedro Strope. Kyle Ryan has been pretty good in the spots that they have put him in. And I, I like I said, you know, you've got Xavier Cedeno maybe coming back soon. Tony Barnett maybe joining the team soon. Uh, Carl Edwards, I think, has been looking good as he's returned. Uh, he had a, a an injury, a small injury when he's been in the minors and he came back, uh, was sitting mid-90s, looking good. Nice. So... You know, I think things are are looking up there and 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 rounding into shape a little bit. I, I will say, Brendan, though, we we gotta get over this Randy Rosario thing. He's I, I really don't think he's a major league reliever, and using him in a one run game like they did today it is just a hard no from me, Brendan. Like that's just not something that should be happening uh, with other guys available. Kyle Ryan eventually comes in to the inning, and I think that Kyle Ryan has done enough now to get an opportunity. Uh, you know, in those early opportunities when you are trying to call upon a lefty, it I, I just don't know what they're looking at with Rosario that he keeps getting these chances. But I, I will say kudos to Joe today. They did bring him in. He walked the leadoff man on four pitches. The fifth pitch was nowhere close to the strike zone, and Joe was out there right away. So I, I will say credit to Joe there. We've given him, and he's caught a lot of flack at times for letting guys, you know, like I just mentioned, Edwards, etc., go too long when it seems pretty obvious that this it's just not there that day. Uh, so I do yeah. give Joe a good bit of credit for being like, okay, I'm I'm stopping this one as quickly as I can. This was a mistake and it's done. So, you know, uh, credit to Joe there. And for Carl, at least in five innings so far, he's only walked one guy and he struck out five guys. He's faced 18 batters and only given up two hits. So, at least for those numbers. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. Numbers, I haven't seen him play in Iowa, but. That's kind of what you hoped you would see when he was sent back down. And once, you know, he comes back, I I think he'll get immediate opportunities. Joe is not one to shy away of putting these guys right back into the fire. I think with Kyle Ryan, that's an example. He's kind of being relied on as the main lefty. Even in the Dodgers series, he had some pretty important appearances and that's that's fun to watch I st- I'm, a, I'm a fairly confident Kyle Ryan fan I, I think I, I really like that release point uh, uniqueness that he brings it's the most unique release point in Major League Baseball in terms of how he lets go of the ball close to first base I am feeling better about the bullpen I, I, I am and I'm not concerned about Steve Cizek I get why people would be concerned but his stuff looks good. It was only a week ago, or not even a week ago, maybe sooner than now, where even you and I, Corey, were watching the game like, wow, that is some nasty stuff by Steve Cizek. The stuff is still there. It's just a matter of him getting that level of consistency, which he will. I, I He will. And that's, that's going to be fun to watch if Carl comes back on point, because then it lines up 7-8-9 with Carl, with Cizek, with, with Strope. And, you know, you cross your fingers, you pray, you do whatever you have to do to get Morrow back. It's, it's, it's starting to calm down 
a little bit. Doesn't mean I'm losing sleep over it. Doesn't mean I'm still currently anxious about it. Doesn't mean I'm not projecting on this podcast right now about my my lack of confidence, I guess, in the bullpen. But at least for the time being, I am a little bit more positive about it than I was you know, 10 days ago. And that's fueled by seeing someone like Kyle Ryan come up. It's fueled by seeing Carl stabilize to some degree in Iowa. And in mostly fueled by Pedro Stroh, but just looking at his numbers right now, almost eight innings pitched. His whiff rate is in the top 2% of baseball, and he's getting a grounder basically almost every other at bat. So he's whiffing guys or getting grounders. This is what you want from a reliever. So I go back to the point too. Most teams are struggling with their bullpen, but for the Cubs, it's magnified just because Maybe we're not used to seeing them struggle like this, but a lot of other teams are. Point being, I'm not as concerned as I was 10 days ago. So let me go ahead and preview this upcoming series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the Cubs will fly to Arizona for a three-game set at Chase Field. And you can get tickets to that series through SeatGeek. This show, of course, as you guys know, is sponsored by SeatGeek because the ticket industry has not changed in a long time. There are a bunch of big companies who have been around forever, but they don't really care about making the experience better for you guys, the customer. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first with more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the app store. SeatGeek is focused on making your ticket experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web. It rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 and displays them on an easy-to-read interactive C-map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals. Red dots are overpriced. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I've been using it for years, even before I started this podcast. And it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I just go on. Within five minutes, I find whatever I'm looking for. I purchase the tickets. I email them to my friends if I'm purchasing tickets for them as well. So simple to use. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is just download the app or go to its desktop version. Use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. On Friday night, they will begin their first game at 8.40 p.m. Central Time. Kyle Hendricks will take the mound. Hendricks, 1-3 with a 3.54 ERA. He just faced the Diamondbacks, had his best start of the season so far. Struck out over 10 guys. The Cubs will be facing Robbie Ray once again. Again, uh, Ray is 0-1 with a 3.95 ERA. On the year, on Saturday, the Cubs will begin their second game at 7.10 p.m. Central Time. Yu Darvish back on the mound for the Cubs. Yu Darvish 1-3 with a 5.6 or 9.6 ERA. Darvish, I'm looking forward just to improve that command. Was not good last time out. In terms of command, he'll be facing Zach Godley for the Diamondbacks. Former Cub, actually, was drafted by the Cubs. Godley this year is 1-1 with a 6.67 ERA. And then to finish off the three-game series on Sunday, the Cubs will start their game at 3.10 p.m. Central Time. Jose Quintana back on the mound. Q is 3-1 with a 3.21 ERA. He'll be facing Luke Weaver, 2-1, 3.33 ERA. Luke Weaver was the main piece in that Paul Goldschmidt deal with the Cardinals. Weaver, former top prospect. 
throws some pretty nasty stuff. He's got some good breaking pitches, throws in the mid to upper 90s. Definitely someone to, you know, keep an eye on uh, in terms of just pure stuff. So that's where the Cubs are at. They're 12 and 11. Uh, the Diamondbacks are hot. They're 15 and 11. Since they left Wrigley Field, they've done nothing but win. So Corey, I think with this three-game set, I, I, I need to see Darvish. I think everyone else on the pitching staff has looked good. Uh, Hamels, Q, Lester coming back healthy. It's it's an encouraging sign, but to really complete the the full picture, got to see more from Darvish. Got to see that command, that fastball command, finally start to appear for him, Corey. I think that's uh, a pretty simple one. It's you know we've just gotten those big outings like uh, the oh man this guy looks good outings from everybody else in this rotation and I've said a lot that it doesn't matter what order these guys go in it doesn't matter who's the best it doesn't matter who's the worst as long as some of them are good right like that's it doesn't matter to me who the best ones are I you know, would prefer it be John Lester, but it, it's all right. I'd, I'd live with the results. Uh, <laughs> but this rotation is doing a lot of good things. And again, like we said the last time, it's it's getting to that point where, you know, you, you give him obviously the proper, um, you know, response because he was hurt last year. But we need more than moral victories when he's out on the mound in 2019. 2018 is over you know, again, you you shouldn't have been dogging him for not being out there or for not being good in some of those starts because he was injured. He was literally injured, and that's a thing that happens. Uh, But now that he's on the mound, he's healthy. We need him to, you know, join the party here. Like, Jose Quintana's taken his game to another level here in 2019, and we we need Darvish to to join, join the club here, and it would really make you feel a special kind of way about this rotation if he can do that because you'd just be looking at a group where literally every day, every day out of five, you are excited for who's on the mound and thinking, you know, this should give the other team trouble and give them a problem trying to score runs. So that's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on this weekend. I think, you know, we're going to keep checking in on uh, KB in particular uh, until his, you know, numbers start to look more like themselves. So hopefully he can, you know, keep the ball moving in the right direction here this weekend. And it's, you know, it remains to be interesting to see how Joe decides to line these guys up. You know, obviously Almora hitting the homer off of Jansen, but his numbers uh, have been really bad on the whole this year and dating back to the second half last year. Kyle Schwarber has not had a particularly great start at the plate in 2019. Uh, David Bodie, by contrast, has looked really good in the opportunities that he's gotten at the plate. Daniel Descalso has looked really good at the plate. And, you know, Ben Zobris off to a slow start, uh, though a lot of his peripherals look very Ben Zobristy. So I, I think his yeah. overall line will catch up soon. But it is just to say it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, every day how Joe decides to line these guys up, where he's getting Schwarber in there, where he's getting Amora in there. Uh, so, you know, definitely keeping an eye on that going forward. I, I would also, like, I don't really want to watch Taylor Davis in this lineup particularly. No offense to Taylor, but I, you know, not super thrilled that he's the backup catcher on this team. Um, but I I 
do you think that Wilson probably should get a rest at some point? He's yeah, played a lot yes. of games. Uh, he has not not played since Victor Caratini went on the injured list. The Cubs have had a lot of off days baked into the schedule. Uh, so I don't necessarily think he's been overworked in this early going, but he's on fire at the plate. And you want to make sure that, you know, his workload and, and getting tired or fatigued is not going to get in the way of that. So uh, I, I would, if it's this series, I, I don't know, but eventually I would like to see Wilson Contreras uh, get a day off. But on the whole, just keep it going here. Like I said, you know, dating back to the 8th of April when they got back to Wrigley Field, this team has played really good baseball and uh, has been beating good teams, beating bad teams, beating good pitchers, bad pitchers. So just just keep things rolling here. Keep winning games. Um, you know, again, like you said, this Diamondbacks team has been playing well. They've been they've been racking up some wins. They had a good series against the Pirates uh, here while the Cubs were playing the Dodgers. Uh, and just try to take care of business, you know, we and then ultimately uh, coming up soon in that first weekend of May, we get our first look at the Cardinals. So, you know, you obviously would like to be going into that series uh, on a good note before we welcome the Cardinals to Wrigley Field. The Cubs have a big homestand to start May after they finish in Seattle, a couple with the Mariners. Uh, they come back to Wrigley Field on the 3rd of May and they play all the way through straight until the 12th with the Cardinals, Marlins, and Brewers, and then an off day on the 13th. So, that's a big homestand. So I think if you can go into that homestand, you've got a, a couple quick series on the road here, uh, still feeling good, playing good ball, getting wins. I, I think that that homestand could be a big one. I think that is all we have for you. Uh, always, always fun when it's an El Mago dominant or, or you know forward podcast i think those are are, are definitely the fun ones uh remember those conversations we had about uh <laughs> Baez or solaire who should be playing for <laughs> it's funny how fast time has gone by yeah you don't have to go look those up we'll, we'll just pretend that was, those... all, that, was all, that was all your opinion by the way well no i don't think so but but <laughs> either way uh I think those are off iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that uh, that is all we have for you. Uh, we will come to you, of course, after Sunday's game when the Cubs are finished with this series in Arizona. And other than that, as always, we thank you guys for joining us. We always appreciate your feedback and your tweets and your comments and your reviews on iTunes. So thank you very much for that. You can find us on all of the uh, normal podcast mediums, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, the Apple Podcast app. I think I said Spotify already, uh, but if we are not on one of those apps, as always, let us know, and we will do our best to update there as well. Uh, and other than that, um, I think it's pretty simple. Go Cubs. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. 
If we take you as a client, we will cancel your time share or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.